0: Coming to you from Classic City,
1: the capital of the Bulldog Nation.
0: It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co host, Curtis. And before we get started today, man, I just got to say, was Saturday awesome or what? There weren't necessarily any big-time matchups or anything like that. That's not really what I'm talking about. There was certainly some bad and just flat-out sloppy first-game play, but whatever. I really don't care. It was college football, and it's really hard for me to find words that adequately describe like just how amazing it felt to be able to sit down on my sofa and watched college football from noon till I fell asleep around, I guess, 11 or so. I kind of dozed off, and then I was able to rally a little bit longer and watch a little bit more, and then finally I got up to the bed and watched some more on my phone after I made my way upstairs. And look, heck, I was, I was still finishing games into today. It went well into Sunday for me. In fact, I'm still going to go back and watch the Louisville-Western Kentucky game here after I get done recording this show, so I still got more to go later on tonight, but seriously, guys, after the past six months, I mean, you guys know, you've, you've been dealing with the same thing that all that all of us here on the show have, like all the hardships, the stress, the uncertainty. I'll be real with you guys. I've, I've had some bad moments over the past six months. I've tried to keep my spirits up and, and take everything just one day at a time and, and just be thankful for everything that I have because I am, I mean, I am incredibly fortunate to have the life that I have, and I'm very grateful for everything that I have, but it's still been tough. It's tough when... You feel that your way of life in a huge part of your culture, you feel it just kind of slipping away from you. You don't know if it's actually going to happen or when it's ever going to be back again, especially when you can't do anything about it. That's tough. That's tough to deal with. So, yesterday, man, it was awesome. I fell away. I have not felt in a while. It's just, it's incredible. It's just flat out incredible to have football back in the South again. And hey, on top of that, the weather is actually starting to ever so slightly turn just a little bit. Maybe get a little bit of that fall feel, at least in moments. But I mean, it's actually starting to feel a little bit more like football season. And it's less than two weeks until the dogs suit up for the first time, which is just awesome to be able to say. So Kurt, did you have as much fun as I did with a full slate of games, of college football games to take in on Saturday?
1: I did really enjoy it, even though there weren't as many good games. You had to take just a small victory on the fact that the, there was more than just a couple of football games, as we saw last week. So you had a full schedule of games throughout the day, so it was nice just to be able to watch them all and enjoy some football for once.
0: Yeah, I mean, Power 5 college football. You're right. Not, not any marquee games, but it was only the... The, the tip of the iceberg here. We're going to have a lot more big Yeah, and at least there were some the upsets, players.
1: even though, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, number one or number, you know, the top ten was going down. But there were some upsets for what we saw for the first week of a lot of teams'
0: seasons. Oh, dude, I was rooting hard for Arkansas State. If you guys don't remember, you know, their head coach, Blake Anderson's a guy, you know, this was publicized a lot. I think it was last year when we played them. His wife had just passed away, and he didn't know if he was going to be coaching that game. He ends up coaching – just an incredible story to see them come back and win that game like they did against Kansas State. It was an—I was actually actually a really good game too. I mean, it was just honestly a good football game. And I thought Arkansas State performed pretty well the week before at Memphis. And Memphis is a really good team. Arkansas State really pushed them, so I wasn't completely shocked, especially the fact that they had a game under their belt in Kansas State, which is you know they're 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 who they are. They're they're up and down. One year they'll be they'll be an eight or nine win team. Other than that, they're about a six or seven win team. So. What wasn't necessarily shocked there, but it was just a lot of fun to watch that one. Really, really, really happy for Blake Anderson. So, just it was great, man. All the way around, just an awesome, awesome Saturday. And it, it just felt right for the first time in a while. So, great stuff. But all right, as for today's episode, which I'm sure is actually what you guys are here to listening to, we have a number of different topics to discuss. We've got some movement on the recruiting front that we haven't really had a chance to discuss yet. mentioned it very briefly last week. We want to dig into that a little bit more this week the final scrimmage of fall camp that happened on saturday so obviously we're going to talk about that and there was also a game i'm sure a lot of you called on friday night it ended up being a great game a big time high school football quarterback matchup with some georgia flavor a lot to discuss so we're going to bring back an old favorite and play buy or sell today it's been a couple of months and this will probably be our last chance to get this in before the season kicks off so We'll get this done today. It's always a fun way to discuss a number of different topics, so we are bringing it back today. And, Curtis, we're going to start with the big quarterback matchup on Friday night between Georgia commit Brock Vandegrift and his Prince Avenue Christian team and South Carolina commit Gunner Stockton and his Raven County Wildcats team. Raven looked early in that game like they would just run away with it, jumping out to a 31-7 lead. I honestly almost gave up on it, but I wanted to keep watching. I just wanted to see these two guys play. I was very interested in really just these two guys. But it ended up being a great game all the way around because Brock Vannegrift and his Wolverine squad stormed all the way back in the second half to tie the game at 31 apiece on the road. But their defense just couldn't get that final stop. Of course, I knew this was going to be the case. And sure enough, Saturday morning, what do you see? The headlines say that Vannegrift was outdueled by Gunnar Stockton. So, Kurt, let's start here. Buy or sell that Gunnar Stockton is a better quarterback prospect than Brock Vandegrift? I'll sell that without a question. All right, tell me why. Why so
1: quickly? Um, if, if, you, about it. If, you, if you watch that game, you can honestly see the difference in the two quarterbacks. Um, you, you know, there may be listeners that are from the Prince Avenue area and just in general, but the fact of the matter is, You could see the difference in classifications between the two programs, you know, Prince Avenue being a 1A and Raven being a 2A. You could see that there was a disparity between the two teams in talent, um, size, and just all those different things. So I thought that Brock did more with what he had than what you saw out of Gunnar Stockton. I mean, Stockton had some nice runs, but let's be honest, it felt like you could drive a Mack truck through some of those holes, especially that first touchdown run he had. Those holes were just ginormous. And then you saw, especially in the second half, when Gunnar Stockton's best receiver, the six foot four kid, went out for a while, the offense really started to stall and didn't do as much once that happened. But I thought that Brock, yes, he made a, uh, a few bad throws, but I thought for the most part, he's a very consistent quarterback and just did a good job of leading his team and showing that maybe if he had some other more playmakers and things around him in general, I think that he could have done even more.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. I, I would sell this also. And look, I'm not, this is not to bash Gunnar Stockton. I think the guy's a really good prospect. Heck, I wish he was committed to us. Absolutely. So this is not sour grapes. I don't want, don't want anyone to think that. I think he's a really good prospect. I think South Carolina has got a really good one on their hands. We'll see if that South Carolina coaching staff can stay in tackle enough to end up actually getting him to enroll. But as of right now, he's committed to South Carolina because of all the connections which we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when he first put his to South Carolina, but they did a really good job of kind of going into detail with that on, on the broadcast on Friday night. But look, Gunnar Stockton, as good as he is and, and as good of a, of a runner as he is, and a different kind of a style of runner, but Brock Vandegrift, in my opinion, is the superior player at this point. Now, let's say Brock is also a year older, okay? Brock, is, he's, a, he's a senior right now, and Stockton is a junior. He's a 2022 guy. But I think as of right now, Vandegrift is the guy that I would take right now. And, and honestly, it's not – I know this doesn't sound crazy because if, if you look at the stats of that game, you're going to say, oh, my God, well, Gunnar Stockton, like, he's the guy. Yeah, he out uh Brock Vandegrift. But to me, what I saw watching that game is that it just kind of confirmed what I already thought going into it. Yes, Gunnar Stockton's really good, but Brock Vandegrift is the superior player right now. And you're exactly right, Curtis. We have to. We have to – Take this into context. Not only is Prince Avenue a one A school, they are a one A private school, and yes, Raven County is only a two A school. But even that disparity, the size difference was dramatic. And when you got a running back or a quarterback who kind of act like a running back at times, and Gunner Stockton, who's just a big physical dude. I mean, his lower half is just thick, man. That guy's got a tree trunk of a lower half. uh He's going to run over some people, which he did. And there's also, like you said, just Holes that Mack trucks could drive. Like you mentioned, that first touchdown run he had, where he kind of like he backsteps into the end of the last 10 yards, which I don't know how much I really like that, but he did that. I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I know he was excited. I get it. You know, you're on, you're on national TV, but I wasn't a huge fan of that one. Um, but he was untouched. Like it like, I don't think there was anyone within like 10 yards of him, but to his credit, nice run. And hey, look, he, he's a solid passer. He's just, here's what I would say compared to the two. Brock Vanegriff right now is heading towards above the better passer. There's no doubt in my mind. I actually would argue that Brock Vanegriff, and Kurt, tell me if you disagree with this. I, I think some people would disagree with, with what I'm about to say. I would argue that Brock Vanegriff is the better athlete. I think he's faster. I think he's quicker than Gunnar Stockton. Stockton. Yeah, I, I actually
1: before. do agree with that because Stockton did a good job, you know, especially once he got his his steam going full speed. You know, he's a big 220-pound kid already, so he's hard to bring down. But the one thing that really stood out to me was the elusiveness of Brock Vandegar. If you know, the one run that really stood out to me, it's like a third and four. He pulls it on the read, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing to his left. But yet he runs backwards and somehow ends up gaining almost 10 yards and gets the first down. And that run really stood out to me. I was
0: like, wow, this guy has some really good lateral quickness. Absolutely. That, that, that play absolutely stood out to me as well, because I thought he was dead in the water. That was a key moment of the game. I thought he was dead in the water. I think they ended up getting in the game-tying field goal on that drive. Is that right, Carlos late in the fourth quarter. I and, think it uh, was that drive.
1: Yeah. It, it, I know they got points off of it at least.
0: I'm pretty sure it was that that drive that tied the game with that field goal. And I thought he, that was the big play. It was a big moment. I thought he was dead in the water on that. Honestly, he probably shouldn't have pulled it there, but I think he wanted to put, he wanted to have the ball in his hands on that play. I don't think it was the right read to pull that there. I'll say that. But again, you know, players, big time players will have the ball in their hands in big time moments. And so he took the ball into his hands and I thought he was dead in the water there. But uh, he made a play happen, man. That lateral agility was there on fullest play. Then he gets to the sideline and kind of just, just jets ahead real quick a, a nice burst there i think he's a better athlete i know he didn't have as many rushing yards as stockton did but i think he's an overall better athlete I, stockton is a different style runner he's much more physical which is which is you know in its own right it, it's a really effective way to run the football but i didn't when you watch him get in the open field gunner stockton like he's fast enough but he was not overly fast i think i think from what i saw this go, kind of goes to what i've seen throughout their careers at this point in the in in general, and granted, this is the first time I've actually seen Gunnar Stockton play a full game. I've seen tape of him. This is the first time I saw him play a full game. I don't think he's as fast as Brock Vandegriff. He's bigger. Well, I'll say the f- one thing that stood out to me too between the two is the body shape.
1: I'm not. I mean, I'm not a professional at this, but it kind of seemed like Gunnar Stockton is maxed out almost, and well, there's he, not he's a tall, lot of room. I mean,
0: he's he's, he's, he's what 220, 225? so he's bigger, but he's only he's only six one. He's got a smaller frame. Yeah,
1: they had and him from... at 6'1", 220, and Brock about six three, and you can see Brock look bigger and I mean, yeah, he didn't have the weight on him, but he had the frame to grow into it, which I think is what you have to have when you're going into college. Because I mean, I'm not saying that Stockton can't get stronger and things, but is is I just like the fact that he's not fully developed quite yet.
0: Yeah, and if you weren't a believer before this game, I think if you watch this game, I think you saw in full display. That Brock Vandegrift is a true dual threat quarterback. Now, he might not be as fast as Justin Fields, but he is, in my opinion, a true dual threat guy. He can run the football, you can do design quarterback stuff with them. He can scramble. I, one thing that really has always impressed me about Brock Vandegrift, but I thought he did maybe as, as good of a job as I've ever seen him do it on Friday night was his ability to throw on the run. Kurt, did that stand out to you, his ability to just move oh my, and I mean, especially the in
1: that first, the first quarter, he had quite a few drops, but.
0: The they first drop had right. like four. He had one drop on the one yard line. He threw the ball about forty yards in the air on the run, right in the guy's hands. He drops on the one yard line, and it really yeah it stood out to me. Like I was, I mean, you see a
1: lot of these eleven on eleven camps, or you mean the seven on seven and things like that, where you're like, oh, he throws a nice ball on the run, but you're like, eh, there's no one there. But in the actual game with the pads on, I was very impressed. Like, and all he did was just flick his wrist and things like that. But he was on a full out and he threw balls with a lot of accuracy and still had a lot of zip on it, which I think that that really did stand
0: out to me a lot. Also, absolutely, there were two plays, and I, I have to be critical at moments here as well. I, I wanted to be honest with what I saw. I love what I saw for the most part. As I just kind of went through, there were two bad reads right before the. Honestly, the coaching. This was a coaching. That, mistake. The one before the half really killed him. Yeah. That, that, that's what lost the game, and partly that's a coach mistake. Why they were backed up on their one yard line right before the half I'm talking less than a minute to go and you're throwing the ball from the one yard line I I know you got Brock Manegrift but dude like you get less than a minute you're gonna go 99 yards and score maybe maybe but probably not and the risk reward scenario uh, that that calculus there I don't think it's in favor of throwing the football but they did and he was trying to they were they they were down at that point he was trying to force something that wasn't there bad read bad decision but He's, he's going to grow. And he's going to learn from that. But that was a bad decision. And there was also a play, and it, this wasn't like a killer, but I want to say it was early in the second half, maybe, when they hadn't quite started the comeback yet. Maybe it was late in the first half. Um, there was, a uh, they were getting a little bit of pressure in his face from uh, his right, and the the running back kind of leaked out to the left, and if he just throws it over the, the rush right there to the running back and takes a check down, it, it might have been a touchdown. But he he didn't take that check down. He, he, he kind of Bailed out, rushed to the right, around everybody, and ended up, I guess going to balance like a one-yard game. But it could have been; a, it was a huge play in the making there, and he just missed that read. Um, so, but things like that happen. He's a young quarterback; he's still growing. But that what the things he did well, I think, far outweighed things he did poorly. I know the final stats will say three interceptions. One of them was absolutely not his fault. His, he, he had thrown the ball already, and his receiver <laughs> fell down. And yeah, uh, they, I like the announcer trying to blame him for it. I was like, the receiver tripped over his own two feet. Yeah, he was like, like, Brock was forcing something. I'm like, what are you talking about? The receiver fell down after the, the ball was already thrown. It would have been right there in his hands and so the defender sitting there and he catches the ball and the interception. That's not on Brock. Man. And the last interception was a, a last ditch effort. You know, they they go, they tie the game, then Raven goes down. I thought that and, was a
1: questionable pass interference on the team that they call for. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. That, oh, that was a horrible pass. I mean, that was high school fishing. I, when you watch high school games, I mean, it's, it, every, I, Without fail, every single time I watch a high school game, it drives me insane because the, the officiating is so dreadfully bad. And look, I know these guys get paid what like twenty five bucks a game, so like it, it's tough to find good officiating. But God, it, that was that was bad. That was bad. But that, that final drive um, had what twenty seconds left, trying to make something happen, just trying to you know and you end up an interception. Like I don't, I don't put that on them. You, you got to take chances in that situation. You're down by a touchdown, you know, with thirty seconds to go. So, I know it says three interceptions, but if you actually watch the game, uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but overall, I, I would still, long story short here, I would take Brock Vanegriff. I think he's uh, clearly, at this point, a better passer. I will also say this, though, in, in fairness to Gunnar Stockton, I think it depends on what kind of offense you're talking about because I do think there are certain offenses at the college level where Gunnar Stockton would be a better fit. Like, let's say a Dan Mullen offense. Or would, is it a stretch to say maybe in a Dan Mullen offense that Gunnar Stockton might be a better fit than Vandegrift? Yeah, I do agree with that. Something like that. I'm watching Kansas State this weekend, maybe a Kansas State offense where they use a lot of quarterback runs. like a power-based quarterback run game with that scheme. Like There are certain offenses where I think that he might actually be a better fit, but if you're going to run a more modern up-tempo spread attack where you run and throw the ball from the quarterback position, not saying that Stockton cannot throw the ball. He can. But I, I just think Brock's Superior right now in that regard, he's good to throw on the run. He's got a, his, his, arm, his arm strength has improved each and every year that I've seen this guy play. And I live in Athens. He's right down the road. So I, I've seen this guy play a couple times. And uh, he's legit, man. And so is Stockton. Stockton's legit, too. I just think we have, as of right now, I think he's the, he's the better prospect. That's, and I'm sticking to it. You can call us the homer if you want. That's fine. Or call us homers if you want. But. We're sticking with him. All right, staying on the recruiting front, Kurt. Last Tuesday, we didn't really get a chance to talk much about this. The wide receiver Jackson Meeks has become the most recent prospect to commit to the G. He's a he's a six foot three, two hundred pound wide receiver out of Alabama. And Curtis, this guy—I don't know if you've seen, paid attention to his numbers. He's putting out massive numbers as a senior. But the thing is, I mean, his numbers right now—he's got through three games, twenty-eight catches, five hundred seven yards. Put up over two hundred yards against perennial power Hoover in their first game. 18 yards a catch. He's been a massive number as a senior, Kurt. But he's still barely inside the top 1,200 nationally. Yes, I said that correctly. The top 1,200. So, Kurt, clearly this guy is vastly underrated right now. I think that will be rectified here in, in short order. But buy or sell Jackson Meeks as a top 100 prospect by the time the final rankings come out. I'm probably going
1: to sell that. I think he's a top 200 player, top maybe 150. It's just still hard to see because, I mean, right now in general, I'm not taking the rankings at what they are. Maybe for some of these top guys, like five stars, like Mims, some of these other guys we're after. But people like Meeks and stuff like that, it's hard to take it. You know, you mentioned outside the top 1,200. It's hard to really take it as it is because of there's no camps and things like that for a lot of these kids. So they're not truly getting ranked like they should. But even then – I would maybe I could say his top 100 if he does this for the whole season because he has been putting up some really, really good numbers this year. But I need to see it for the entire season. And Even then, recruiting rankings or services don't like to jump kids up that much because then for a lot of the time they don't like to admit they're that wrong.
0: Yeah, it requires them to admit that they were wrong in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and that's one
1: thing you don't see a lot of them do. They like to drop kids but not raise them that much.
0: And I could be wrong here. You mentioned the fact that he wasn't able to go to camps because no one was able to go to camps this this fall or this spring. Uh, but I also don't think, as of right now, I'm not saying he can't get an invite, but I don't think he has had an invite to one of the All American games that those even end up happening. So, and those are settings where all the recruiting writers and rankers they go to all those or most of those games. Depending on what service they are, they're a part of usually affiliated with one or one or the other, but they see these guys in person. That's really when you start to see guys move up or down their rankings late in the cycle. I don't think he's going as of right now, as far as I know, I don't think he has an invite to any of those, so he's not gonna have a chance to show what he can do in those settings either. So I think that works against him as well. I think I'm with you here. here. Here, I don't know, it's just tough. I think. Because here's here's what I did. There's very little tape on him from this year on on the internet right now. You have tape from him from last year, but he was coming off of a of a, of a knee injury as a sophomore. He wasn't the same guy last year that, that he is right now. He wasn't getting as so many options. He wasn't the number one guy last year, but this year he is that guy for them. So what I did is I have recently come across something called the N. I guess this National Football High School Network NFHS Network, and it's basically it, it's a site and it, it's a subscription site. It's like eleven bucks a month, ten ninety nine. And you can basically pull up almost any high school game anywhere and watch their local feed. And what I do is I kind of do a, a video cast and watch it on my TV, I have it on my phone, but it, it casts up to my TV. And I, I came across this because I, so I could watch my, my boys at Clark central uh, because like, you can't really go to the games right now, but you can pull this thing up and watch them. So, I had been, like, watching so much high school football over the past couple of weeks since I've got this thing. And so I went ahead and I pulled up his his uh, his games from Phoenix City High School in Alabama, and particularly that game against Hoover. And, oh, my God, this guy is freaking legit. From a talent standpoint, I absolutely think he's a top 100 prospect, in my opinion. However... The question was, buy or sell him moving up to a top 100 prospect. And I'm with you, Curtis. I don't think that he will move all the way up from the 1,200 to up to the top 100 without any camps, without going to an, an All-American game. I don't think he'll be seen by enough guys. His tape is one thing. I think I'll move him up into the you know top two, 300 maybe eventually. I think he's in line for a, a really nice jump. Top 100, I just don't think I see that happening. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think he's worth that. I think he's worthy of a top 100 ranking. I just don't think he's going to get to that point. But I mean, this guy is – he's freaky good, man. Like, he's got the size. He's got – he's not like a super burner. Like, he doesn't have, like, necessarily, like, major home run speed, but plenty of speed, good enough speed. Kind of reminds me of Marcus Roseme, the guy that we got this year. Now, actually, maybe a, a thicker version of Roseme. Does a great job high-pointing the football. Does a good job of getting open. Does a great job of blocking guys out, uh, the, blocking the defender out. He's using his body as a shield. He's got great hands. It's, I mean, this guy's legit. He's the real deal. I mean, he's he's the guy. Right now, he's right now he's ranked as the lowest guy in our current 16-person recruiting class for 2021. That will change, but I don't think he's going to move inside the top 100. I agree with you there. But I am very very excited about getting this guy. And if, again, if you guys get a chance, go pull up that it's NFHS Network, and you can watch for 11 bucks a month. Watch any high school game, pretty much any high school game in America that you want to watch. The teams that subscribe to it, and the teams get a portion of that. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool stuff. But all right, anyway, moving on. Let's stick with recruiting for one more question here, Kurt. So Meek's commitment, that put us in the top 10 for the first time all cycle, the top 10 in the team rankings. Now, I still think it's too early to really be looking at such things, but we are moving on up. As we told you guys we would, and we still only have 16 commitments. We're inside the top 10. And Kurt, we had yet another star-studded group of prospects in Athens over the weekend. A little bit quieter this weekend. And I know the reports of them being in town are true because I saw some of them in town here in Athens. So, Curtis, with our recent momentum with guys like Corey Foreman, Mason Smith, Amarius Mims is in town again this weekend, buy or sell the dogs? will finish with yet another number one ranked recruiting class when it's all said and done. I'm going to buy it but that's on the basis that we get Smith and Foreman and Mims. I think if you're lean all those big time guys, you're gonna, you're gonna have to. Basically, what I did is I went to two four seven and did their their went to their composite site, and you can do the class calculator. You can like plug in like, hey, what if we got these guys? What would that do to our recruiting ranking? And uh, I can't remember all the guys I put in there, but it was Foreman, Mason, Smith, Nylon Green. Uh, I think. Sp- Smail Mon and I put in there. I threw Barrett Carter in there because I know he's really listening to what we're saying. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's in decommit from Clemson that's impending or anything like that. But, like, I, I know we're still recruiting him heavily. Um, who else did I throw in there? Uh, maybe I threw in and Sori. Some of those – are Marius Mims, all those big-time guys. And I think it was six or seven guys I threw in there. That would have put our class about 22 or 23. And it would have put us above Alabama right now. But Bama's not. The Bama's sitting there with 21 commits right now. They're not done they're going to add more to like, it. I think it's going to be tough for us to jump over Alabama. So I'm going to say – I'm going to say sell. Like, you're right. Maybe if we land all of those big-time prospects on our board right now, the, the, the Foremans, the Mason Smiths, the Mims, the, uh, the Smell Mondens, the Nyland Greens, Terrian Arnolds, if we land all those guys, the Terrian Ingram Dawkins of the world, if we land all of them, then, yeah, I think we can do it. But I think we're going Everything to really has to fall more.
1: our way. I mean, it's more than likely not – happen but if things fell our way it could
0: yeah it's certainly it's certainly within the realm of possibility I will say that like, it's not I can't here and say there's no way it's going to happen I, I'm not I cannot say that because we could land these guys and there's a lot of momentum for a lot of these top prospects but it's still only September and I think we would have to land just about all of them like we would have to hit on all of those big time guys even if we landed like three or four of them and missed on two of them I don't know if three or four of them is enough to put us all the way up at number one because Bama's Got a, a lights out class themselves this year. I think we're almost certainly gonna finish in the top three. I feel confident saying that. I don't know, and it, I just don't know if I'm ready to say, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna buy it right now. We're gonna finish number one. Possible, it's certainly possible, but I think it's more likely to say we finish maybe two or three and Bam and finish as number one as 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 things sit right now. But we're putting ourselves in a good position, and I love what Kirby's doing now. Like it seemed like early in the process with this whole coronavirus recruiting situation that we're in, that we were kind of feeling things out. Kurt, do you get the feel that maybe our coaching staffs kind of getting the hang of how to recruit in the era of coronavirus now?
1: Yeah, I think you could say that. Uh, and I think the biggest thing too is the, the kid, you know, it all depends on the kids also.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, can these guys get on campus? I mean, some of them can, some of them can. Like Corey Foreman coming all the way from California on his own dime. That's great. But like, you gotta, you gotta be willing to put put up the money and the time to come make these trips. But a lot of them are, and uh, look, we're we're in really good shape. And speaking of Brock Vandegrift, talked about him earlier. He's an, he's done an outstanding job of, of kind of being that leader since he's basically he lives here in Athens more or less. I guess it's technically Bogart over there, but technically Athens, and are close enough to Athens. And he's coming here. He's kind of like the tour guide, and, and he's leading things. So that that really helps us as well. Having a, a quarterback that's a lead, generally a, typically the leader of the class. Anyway, typically- but he's a, a local hometown guy is able to kind of take everyone around and show them the ropes. So that, that helps too, but I just, I'm just i not ready to buy this yet. I'm going to go sell for now. And all right, guys, before we get on to our next question, I got to take a second to tell you about our friends at MyBookie. At the outset of the show, I told you guys how excited I was to have college football back. And, of course, I'm just excited about having games back on. But games being back on also means you get the chance to bet on those games and kick up all of the drama another notch or two. The start of the college football season, it means winning season returns at my bookie. And winning season means doubling your first deposit. You can't beat that. Winning season means watching live sports and betting live. College football is back, man. It is back in a big way. The SEC season is to get started here in less than two weeks. The NFL is back. Yeah, the Falcons got destroyed. But hey, winning a little money each week helps ease that pain, right? So go ahead, get in on the action today. Use promo code OVERTIME and you will double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play which is going to add much more excitement to the entire process because you got more money to play with. Bet with the best this football season for your chance to win big. Again, use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Oh yeah, guys, by the way, OVERTIME is going all in for our listeners this season, we're giving away $500 in cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit, take a screen grab, a screenshot of your My Bookie account, email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. 500 large given away at the end of September. You don't want to miss that opportunity. All you've got to do is sign up. Take the screenshot, email it in, and you have your chance to win five hundred bucks. But all right, now let's move the conversation to the field and discuss some of the news curve that came out of the, the fall scrimmage, the last scrimmage of fall camp that took place over the weekend on Saturday. And, and Curtis, I will say I, to everyone out there, in full disclosure, I was not there. Uh, I do not donate enough, honestly, to have the privilege to attend such things. I, I'm not. I'm not a high roller like that. Maybe one day, but but not right now. But I do have a source or two that usually gives me some information, kind of fills me in <laughs> on what they saw. Um, granted, I, saying that, I, I do encourage all of you to take that with a grain of salt because what I hear is totally secondhand information, and that is always an interpretation through someone's someone else's eyes, which I'm always kind of hesitant to, to like go full force into and just buy 100% because I want to see it with my own two eyes. And of course, like sometimes I get conflicting information from different guys because... It's the way it is with sports. Two people can see the same thing entirely differently. But in this case, the information I got on this final scrimmage, it's pretty much been backed up by the reports that have been put out there by a bunch of different outlets that also get their information from people who were actually there. But anyway, Curtis, probably the biggest news coming out of the scrimmage was that Dwan Mathis was given the first crack with the first team offense through the first half of the scrimmage. I texted you this on Saturday as soon as I, was, I, 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 was, I got this information – and uh, I think it was backed up by some stuff that you, that you heard later on the day as well. But he got the – like basically in the first half of this scrimmage, his first 30 minutes, I was told that he was the guy. That's the information I got. He was the guy that came out there with the ones that was getting about every rep with the, with the first-team offense. Now, this is just one snapshot. But it is the snapshot, Kurt, that we have closest to the first game here in less than two weeks. So buy or sell that Dewan Mathis will be our game one starter on the road in Fayetteville. I think I'm going to buy it.
1: Uh, The only reason I'm saying that is I'm not saying that he's not better than or that he is better than JT Daniels. But I think the biggest thing that helps him right now is he's full go. Not saying Daniels isn't doing everything, but until he's fully cleared, it's hard to fully commit to building your team around him and game planning for him until he gets that clear. Because you don't want to put all these things into all your eggs in that basket and then something, you know, something come up and him not get cleared. And then I also think that Mathis is a good quarterback. You know, going back to his very first spring uh, when he was an early enrollee, I was actually impressed with what he did out on the field. I thought he moved well um, with his legs, and at the same time, had a lot of zip on the ball. I was surprised how strong his arm was, and you know, he he wasn't able to do much last year, but I I could see the skill set there that could make him a dangerous guy. And you know, I mentioned this to you, but you know, Ryan Day at Ohio State and Ohio State in general know they know quarterbacks up there, so. If they were to take a commitment from this kid and hold it as long as they did, and he didn't just decommit from there because they pushed him away. I mean, we, you know, they took fields and we made a move and, you know, things happened. But he was committed to Ohio State for a long time. And that makes you think that they saw something in him that led them to believe that he could do, you know, is a, a pretty good quarterback. So I think that the guy can do it. And I just think everything's aligning right now for him to step into that role.
0: Well said. Uh, you mentioned... G-Day back in, was it 2019, I guess, uh, when he was an early enrollee. And I I, I too was, I was actually absolutely blown away by how well he moved in that G-Day scrimmage. Like I when you watch the tape of him in high school, you can see the guy moved well. I never saw him flash the kind of speed and athleticism that I saw at that G-Day scrimmage. Like I was blown away at how well he moved. And you're right, put some great zip on the ball. He's got a really, really good arm. Obviously he was still... Completely green and learning on on the fly there, but he's had a year in the system. And obviously, you're right; he did not get to do much last year. But that doesn't mean he wasn't sitting there taking middle reps and making the most of, of a tough situation, which clearly it seems like he did. And I just kudos to him. I mean, what an incredible story! If he does end up being the guy, what an incredible story! My um, uh, my wife is rooting really, really hard for him, and uh, I I have to say, I am too. I mean, I, I want the best guy to play. I want the best guy for Georgia to be out there. But if it happens to be Dwan Mathis. That would be a really cool story, man. It really will be. But here's the thing. So, yes, he did get – from everything I've heard and was told and all the reports are coming out there, he got the first go with the with the, with the ones in the first half of the scrimmage on Saturday. But, Kurt, is it possible also that maybe this was a, um, a chance for the coaches to give him his opportunity with the ones to see what he could do? Hey, here's one last chance to show us what you can do. Convince us that you're the guy. Maybe they feel like they know more what they have with Daniels and uh, with, with, with a, a young guy like Mathis, maybe they're just going to give him that opportunity. Is, is there any possibility that could be going on? or, or
1: just, are, I so- actually do. I think that's a fair argument also because that thought came into my mind. Because at the last scrimmage, the only two people that were – I mean, outside of the, the goal line situations when Mathis was getting reps, outside of that, almost the entire reps were going to Newman and Daniels. So it's not like they're, Daniels is just all of a sudden not going to get reps after he was, him and Newman were sharing the reps in that first scrimmage. So it led me to believe they want to try to. I mean, I'm not saying this is my belief, but I could see the argument there that math they wanted to give Mathis a shot with the ones to see what he could do because he hadn't really had a chance to do much with the ones. And if he's truly the guy that's competing with Daniels for this job, you need to see what both of them can do with what your talent's going to be at, on the field.
0: Yeah, and that's why I, like, I, I agree with you. I'm not saying that's the way it is. Or that yeah, I'm not saying the it deal. is, but
1: the, I mean the argument is plausible too. If someone was to raise it.
0: Yeah, I, I just think that's something to, to consider, because I know when the report, when I heard it, like my first reaction was, I, I mean, I think when I texted you, when I got the information that I was told was, hey, I think Duane Mathis is going to be our quarterback. And that, so that was my initial reaction, but I thought about it more over the past 24 hours. And I was like, hey, well, maybe, like maybe that's, that's the way it is. And I think that's probably the most reasonable way to look at it based on the information that we have, which admittedly is not much but maybe it's just the coaches trying to give him an opportunity to show what he can do here and, and no decision has been made. Maybe he's not leading. Like I don't, I don't know what to read into it, honestly. I just don't know what to read into it because if he is getting all those reps with – the exactly like you said, you made a great point there. If he was getting all those reps in the first half of the first team, that's a big jump for him to make in, what, the past week and a half, two weeks since uh, Jamie Newman's moved on and t- decided to opt out because what we were hearing is that he got like a, a – in the first scrimmage – a series or two with the ones, but it was really more so Newman and Daniels that were splitting the rough. So if he's made that big of a jump, that's awesome. Good for him. That's incredible. But I I think it's also possible that maybe there's a different explanation. And I I don't know. I think what you said about Daniels as the injury, curse. I think that might be the best explanation here. And and maybe the explanation is that that Mathis is just a better guy. And he's the guy that's going to be. Yeah, but there's, there's a lot of theories
1: that are out there and they're all very plausible to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I just, again, without being in there, in the meetings, knowing what's going on, I don't know. It's just it's tough to know. I'm just trying to look at this from as many different angles as I can to try to get a read on this. But I do think if you look at JT Daniels and the fact that he has not been fully cleared yet as far as we know, you're right, Kurt. We're coming. We're less than two weeks away. I mean, Saturday was the two-week mark from the first game. I mean, we're going to start prepping for Arkansas. I mean, I'm sure we've already started behind the scenes, but the team will probably start prepping for them starting Wednesday or Thursday this week. And you're going to have to have a guy – I'm sure Kirby probably won't name it publicly, but you're going to have to have a guy who's taking the majority of the staffs the ones. And if you aren't sure that JT Daniels is going to be cleared, even if you think he's going to be cleared, Kirby has said, yeah, I think he's going to be cleared. We expect him to, but we, we're waiting. that's not my decision. It's Ron Corson and his decision. But even if you think, you don't know. And if you don't know, I mean, as detail-oriented as Kirby Smart is, he is not going to go into that game with all his eggs in the JT Daniels basket if he hasn't fully been cleared. I, so I think that is something to really pay attention to here. I think that could have been the impetus behind all this. I'm again, not, I'm not saying that that's the case. It could just be that Duan Mathis is the better guy right now. He's impressing the coaches more. That certainly could be the case. But I do. It's it's hard to imagine that JT Daniels' injury doesn't have something to do with the fact that he has not been cleared all the way. He's moving. He's practicing. He's scrimmaging. But when you haven't been cleared all the way for contact, and you got a game in less than two weeks, that could impact what this quarterback situation looks like early in the season. I think it absolutely could. But I think we're, either way, I think we're in really good hands. So everything I'm hearing, both guys are really impressing. And I just want the best guy to win. Whoever it is, I want the guys to go out there and do the best job for Georgia. And i Mathis, that's incredible. What an awesome story. And Miss Daniels, that's awesome too. Just want the best guy out there. Um, but all right, Kurt, from all accounts, uh, including those that I got, it was also a, a big day for freshman wide receiver, Jermaine Burton. I heard he had a massive day, also opened the scrimmage with the number one offense alongside George Pickens. So Kurt, buy or sell? That Jermaine Burton as a true freshman wide receiver will be better this year in his freshman season than George Pickens was as a freshman last year. I'm gonna sell it. And I think the biggest reasoning for me is the fact that I think that we
1: have a few more receiving options this year than we did so last year.
0: I think it depends on how you take this question. If you take it as will Burton put up better numbers than Pickens put up last year, I would it. Hesit- I would, I would urge you to be cautious with that if you're going to buy that because the difference is George Pickens is on the team this year. Yes, we had Lawrence Cager last year, but Lawrence Cager was in and out of the lineup. We did not have a true number one guy that was kind of like the go-to guy already outside of Cager. Again, he was hurt most of the year. This year, we have Pickens. He's that guy. So is Burton going to get as many looks as Pickens did last year? Does that make sense, Kurt?
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't know if he's going to get that the targets.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So I think if you look at it from that standpoint, like, will he put up the same numbers? Maybe not. And I'll also say we have a different offense this year. Maybe we throw the ball a little bit more than we have in the past. Maybe we're not 60-plus percent run like we have. I mean, at times we were like 65-plus six plus percent under Jim Cheney. Maybe we throw the ball more and there's more opportunities to go around. So maybe that helps him put up those, num- those numbers and maybe surpass what things did last year. But I, I when I watch Jermaine Burton, and I have not seen him here since he's been in Athens, but watching his tape like this, dude, I think there's I think you can argue and he might not be as naturally physically gifted as George Pickens. I think there's an argument to be made. If you watch what these guys did at the high school level when I was watching Pickens come out of high school, watching Burton come out of high school, I think you can make the argument that Burton is the more polished prospect coming out of high school. Is that crazy to me to say, Kurt?
1: No, I honestly believe it personally. I also think that Burton is a more polished route receiver, or route runner and just in general, just his receiving skills.
0: Yeah, I think coming into the college level, from a technical standpoint, I think Burton is ahead of where George was coming in last year. I, I think Pickens is the more physically gifted guy. And, and George made a lot of strides throughout the season in terms of doing things, all the little things, the nuances of that position, becoming more of a, of a technician at that position. It wasn't just relying on his incredible physicality and his ability to make those incredible catches such that, that, that athleticism that we saw early, early on last year, as early as week two. But I think Burton might be the more polished guy coming out of high school. But, again, Pickens is already on the team. He's already kind of established himself. We didn't necessarily have that established guy last year for most of the year, so Pickens was able to get more targets, especially late in the year once Lawrence Cager goes down. He's out of the picture. But unless Pickens is injured, he is in the picture. He's in the equation. He's that guy from, from week one, hopefully through the end of the season. So will there be as many uh, touches go around for Burton? I don't know. But and I, I pose this question to you, Curtis. So I'm I'm going to sell this. I'm going to sell this for those reasons I just put out there. I, I I pose this question to you, Curtis. I'll, I'll put it out here on the show. What if what if Jermaine Burton is actually better than George Pickens? What does that mean for our offense this year? It's going to be very de- deadly,
1: in my opinion. If we have two guys, especially one that may be better than the one that we, we expect to be our leader this year.
0: Yeah. And look, I'm not saying that Jermaine Burton's going to be better than George Pickens, but like it's possible. So, what if? What if he is as good as George Pickens or better than George Pickens this year? My answer to that question, to answer my own question, is we're winning the national title. We're winning the whole damn thing if he is that good. If he is that good to where he is better than George Pickens, yeah, we're winning the whole thing with our defense, with two options of receiver, with, more, with more athleticism at quarterback, two running backs. I'm really excited to see what can do in this new system, the totally new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think we'll win the national title, if that's the case. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but if that's the case, not saying it is, but if it is, then watch out. Watch out, everybody. All right, Kurt, let's end with this one here. The information I got also had running back James Cook opening the scrimmage with the first team at running back. Now, I don't know how many snaps he got uh, with, with the first team right off the bat, but I was told he opened the first series at running back. That's what I was told. So this is something I kind of openly pondered during the offseason. But, Curtis, now that we're armed with a little bit more information, Buy or sell that James Cook will open this season as our starting running back? I'm going to buy
1: it. and You know, there's my whole argument with James Cook since he's been here is his versatility. And so I think that's why I'm going to buy it in the fact that when he's out there, you don't know truly what our offense is going to do because he could take off in a pass pattern out of the backfield or run it up, to, you know, do something, uh, giving him the ball in a handoff situation. So I think his versatility is one thing that may keep him on the field and why I can see him starting out as our tr- true starting running back this year.
0: It's certainly possible. It's another one of these things. I'm not going to argue with it if you're buying it because it's certainly possible. And hey, I was the guy who was openly asking this question throughout the offseason, like, "Hey, is it possible that James Cook might be a better fit for our offense than Zamir White? Even though we all love Zamir White, I think he's a great player, but with this new offense that we're bringing in, maybe James Cook's a better fit for that, you know, especially in the passing game. But I'm going to sell this right now because everything that I've heard, I, I've heard glowing things about both guys, Zamir and James Cook. I, I, I've heard these both these guys are, are killing things. And I've said all offseason that if, if Zeus got back to a hundred percent off of the two knee injuries, then I still think he'd be the guy. If everything that I am hearing and being told is that, yes, he is back to being that dude right now, The the short area quickness, the burst, it's all back. Still running the same power we saw last year. We shouldn't see that from him last year. He was coming back from the injury. He was only a year out, but I haven't seen it. What I'm told is that, yes, he is that guy right now. And I, again, I always hesitate because I like to see things with my own two eyes, but, I'm, I'm hearing some really positive things about both the guys. James Cook, from what I hear, is, is a guy that looks totally different and that we're going to find a way to use him in ways that we should have been – you and I were arguing all last year, Kurt, that we should have been using him. I was watching games this past weekend, and watching teams use their running backs in different ways of that back for the passing game. I'm like, oh, my God, how how do we waste this guy last year? But we did, especially when we didn't have his – we had no receiving options outside of pick and drilling. We still couldn't find a way to get James Cook more involved than we did. But I think here's what I would say. I think it depends, honestly. I think it's close between the two. I think they, they're, they're both going to have their role. I think they're both going to get a ton of touches. I think it just depends, like, who comes out there first on, uh, was it, the 24th when we play Arkansas? Or the 26th, I guess, when we play Arkansas. Whoever comes out first, I think it's going to depend on the package and the personnel grouping. That yeah, we as you say, that really,
1: I mean, it's not like we go out there saying, in our true depth charts, if you've ever seen a Kirby Star depth chart, no one is truly designated as number one or the start. star.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, Brian Harrien got a couple starts last year over DeAndre Swift. And we know that Swift was the guy throughout most of the season. Like, we know that, right? Uh, so, like, even if Cook comes out there in the, with the first play of the game against Arkansas in a couple weeks, that doesn't mean that he's going to get all the carries or that he's going to be the starter the rest of the way. I think it could just be packaged. if like, we want to come out the first play of the game when we script our, our first drive, and that first play in the script happens to be a play that involves getting James Cook involved in the passing game then he'll be out there. If it's not, then it'll be Zeus. I, I don't know if there's a star- starter right now. I mean, look, I don't know because I'm not in, in the meetings. I don't know. But everything I'm, I'm hearing is that these guys, like it's 1A, it's number, it's 1 in 1A right now. It just depends on the grouping, the personal group that we come out with, the package that we use, what we want to run that first play. But uh, it, it certainly wouldn't shock me. I'm not going to argue with you if you buy it. But right now, I still think Zeus is probably going to be the, the down-to-down kind of guy from the tackles. So I'm going I'm to sell it for now. Wouldn't shock me. But uh, I'm going to stick with the truth right now based off what I'm hearing, but it wouldn't shock me at all. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We really appreciate you guys taking time to listen to the show here today and support us as we get closer and closer to this 2020 Georgia football season. I can't say college football season because that's already here, but the Georgia football season is just a few short weeks away and we cannot wait for it to get here. We've got some great stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks for you guys, getting you ready for that point. We're going to have our Scout the Enemy Florida edition later on this week. We're also going to have our preseason picks that we're actually probably going to push that back to the first show of next week, the first show of actual game week. Then we'll do our Arkansas preview, kind of our Arkansas Scout the Enemy episode, which will kind of function as our preview episode as well and that will lead us into our first picks of the week episode that we will be running at the end of next week and yes guys the plan is right now to absolutely have a different listener serve as the guest picker each and every week we had a lot of fun with that last week and we'd love to get you guys on and and interact with you and it's really just a, a very small way to say thank you for all the support you guys give our show Throughout the entire year. So we're really excited about that. And we will be back later on this week. But thanks for listening, guys. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go, dogs.